Our scripture reading for today is in the Good News according to John, chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went towards the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, but not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. <clears throat> then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood there, weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? For whom are you looking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Let us pray. Lord, we're grateful for the good gifts of your creation, for sunshine, for 
spring flowers, for pollen. These are all things of beauty, and yet, Lord, we long for even more. We long for your resurrection power. We long to be made whole. We long to be made new. We long to have all things set right. We pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, you release your resurrection power in us, in our souls, and in our minds, in our bodies, that we make it a sign of your kingdom and your future that has no end. Amen. So a few weeks ago, all three of our children were jumping on our trampoline. The two boys, who are 7 and 11, were, as usual, fighting, as usual. I couldn't tell what about, but I could tell they were fighting. And I could tell that there was name-calling, again, as usual. They really are good kids, but even good kids fight all the time. Then I heard one say to the other, shut up. And our youngest, who is three, finally pipes up from the sidelines in her sweet little sing-song voice, and she says, we don't say shut up in this family. The fight dissolved, of course, not thanks to the stern warning, but the fit of laughter of everybody around at this little girl, so obviously parrot parroting something that her parents had already said. It was hilarious and it was cute, but it also got me thinking. For this three-year-old, the issue was clearly not just that these boys were intentionally transgressing an established rule or a law or a norm, which they were. (laughs) For her, the issue was that they had forgotten something fundamentally important about who they are. We don't do this in this family. She was reminding of them of something they already knew. One that would hopefully jog their memories and snap them out of their forgetful haze. And well, it worked in its own way. But it's so easy to forget, isn't it? Not just simple things like, it's not so good to tell your siblings to shut up. It's easy to forget even the most fundamental truths when we're in the thick of things. Today's scripture begins with this kind of forgetfulness. Before sunrise and the first Easter morning, Mary Magdalene returns to Jesus' tomb. Mary's one of Jesus' disciples, one of the few who didn't flee as he was being crucified two days prior. And she arrives and she discovers something disconcerting. The giant boulder that had covered up Jesus' tomb had been rolled out of the way. So no doubt at this point she's still reeling from the shock of the death of Jesus, her rabbi, her teacher, her friend. So when she sees this stone rolled away, she runs immediately to Peter and this other guy who who they call the other disciple. 
And she tells them both that the tomb's open and Jesus' body isn't there. And the only explanation is that the tomb was robbed and somebody took him away. It's the only logical explanation. So all three of them run back to the tomb. They look inside, peep inside, and there's nothing in there but the wrappings that he was buried with just the two days before. There's no body. Mary's grave robbing theory must have been true. There's no other probable explanation. There's no probable explanation except there is another possible explanation. And here's where the memory part comes in. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, John tells us. They did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. They'd already forgotten what Jesus told them was going to happen. In John's version of the story, the clues are a little bit more cryptic. Jesus saying stuff like, the temple of his body would be destroyed and raised again in three days. But the other three gospel, in the other three gospels, Jesus says it pretty plainly, like, the Son of Man must undergo great suffering, be rejected by the elders and priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. He kind of puts it out pretty plainly to them on many occasions. And Jesus interpreted his own life and ministry as a fulfillment of the Old Testament promises to his followers. And those were the promises. And he'd said it enough times to get it into their skulls and eventually into the Bible. They all knew this. Like my children forgetting over and over and again that we don't tell other people to shut up in our family. They simply forget and they return to their homes. So Peter and the other guy head home, and Mary, Mary, it says, Mary weeps alone by the tomb. Somehow, when confronted with the empty tomb, when the time came, when that memory actually would have come in handy, she'd suddenly forgotten this crucial, fundamental piece of information. Whoosh, gone. And why is that? Because we forget crucial stuff like this all the time. When we're in the thick of heavy emotional stuff, our memory is the first thing to go. Our kids or our spouse set us off and we're yelling before it occurs to us just how badly the last time went. Or a midlife crisis erases our wedding vows and years of marital commitment from the memory bank. We get a troubling diagnosis. We suddenly lose our gratitude and forget the love, family, and support that'll help get us through. Crisis after crisis comes along, and suddenly every success, every victory, or even the fact of survival itself up till that point hops right out of our brain, and all we've got left is anxiety and despair. And the last year of COVID-19 sure has proved that, hasn't it? It didn't occur to Mary, Peter, or the other disciple that Jesus had been raised despite the fact that he drilled it into their heads because that's the way we work. When the going gets tough, we forget. 
When we're in the middle of anger, sadness, depression, and despair, every helpful memory goes out the window. It just, gone, we forget. So the disciples go home, it says, and Mary, she stays, and she weeps outside the tomb, forgetting Jesus' promises, his words. And then comes a hint, not even just a little hint, but a good hint, a good-sized hint. She peers inside the tomb, and there's just these angels (laughs) sitting there where Jesus' body was. And why are you crying? One asks. On one level, it's an honest inquiry. On the other level, though, it's an angel. The angel knows exactly what's going on. It's more like, what have you got to cry about? Seriously, you know what's happened, right? Forgetful Mary repeats the probable theory that somebody stole Jesus' body. The hint from a heavenly being goes right over her head. And then an even stronger clue. She does a little 180, turns around, there's butterflies. Oh, wait, that was Ingrid. She turns around and Jesus, Jesus is standing there. But she doesn't even recognize him even then. He asks her why she's weeping. Again, not because he wants the information. It's more like, what have you got to weep about? She asks him who she's looking for. He knows. Who are you looking for? I'm right here. And thinking that this guy's the gardener, right? She tells him the same story that she told the disciples and the angels. Look, buddy, she says, if you've carried Jesus away, tell me where he is and, and I'll take him. I'll take him away. She doesn't remember. Jesus is right in front of her face and he doesn't ring a bell. It's got to be the gardener. It's the only rational explanation. Mary doesn't clue in. She doesn't clue in despite three hints. That is, until Jesus calls her by name. Mary, Jesus says. The empty tomb, the angels, Jesus in front of her face, none of these could penetrate the fog of her sadness and despair. And then Mary, ding, light bulb. Jesus addresses her by name, and her memory is finally jogged. She recognizes him. Rabbi, she says. Finally, fourth time is the charm. It takes Jesus calling Mary by name to remember, to remember his promises, to remember that death wasn't the end, to remember that he lives, to remember that the story isn't over, which funnily and funnily enough brings me to Easter. Here we are again, celebrating the resurrection 
of Jesus for nearly the 2,000th year in a row. And you'd think that one Easter would be enough to get the point. You think that once you hear, heard the good news once, and you believe the good news once, you're good and you're ready to face the world in all of its brokenness and human life in all of its pain. You think it was like birthdays. The more you have, the less meaningful they are because you kind of get it. But here we are again. Christ is risen. Get it? Got it? Good. You think we get it by now. But that's not the way that it works because like I said, like Mary, like Peter, like all of Jesus' first followers, we can hear it over and over and over again and we can forget it over and over and over again because as soon as the cross, as the suffering and pain and loss rear their ugly heads in our lives, that memory evaporates. Somebody once helpfully told me that they go to church on Sunday because life's liable to make them forget everything they heard by Saturday night. And that's why we're gathered here again today, even in this way less than ideal medium, to remember not just something that happened to a Palestinian Jew 2,000 years ago, but to remember that in Christ, the penalty for sin has been paid in full freeing us from all guilt and shame by the power of forgiveness. To remember that in Christ, death has been conquered forever, releasing us from the chains of fear and anxiety and oppression, that Jesus lives and reigns now and calls us, even now, calls us by name out of the tomb, out of the graveyard of sin and sadness, and into the flourishing garden of God's kingdom, the new creation. We're gathered here today to have all our pieces put back together again. Because in the darkness of this world of ours, it's so easy to forget that there is no such thing as too dead an end. No such thing as a whole too deep, that a life too battered and bruised as to be beyond redemption simply does not exist because of who God is and what God has done on Good Friday and Easter. There is no such thing as hopeless anymore. And that's not just me saying it. I'm a far less impressive figure than Jesus. It's not just me saying it. It is a promise, a memo from the spirit of the living God, one that is is directly addressed to you right now by name. Norman, Keith, Lorne, Ingrid, Gregor, Kara, Kelly, Joyce, Wendy, The other Kelly we can't see. I see you. Ryan. And Ryan. And every other name on the other end of this camera. Whatever deathly thing has erased your ability to recollect this truth, let it be restored again once more 
by God's life-giving grace. So I'm going to say it again. And I'm going to say it again because we can't say it enough. I'm going to say it again because you and I are so liable to forget it. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Now go tell the world, because it's as absent-minded as you, and they need to hear it as badly as you do too. Happy Easter, because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah and amen.